Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. on the weekend of the greatest round of games in football history. Like my goodness, all four divisional round games came down to the final play. And we will be talking all about our favorite things we saw from those games, as well as three things we'd love to see in this weekend's conference championship games, all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. And thank goodness for those games, man, because after the lacklusterness that was the wild card weekend, what a whirlwind of games we got. My God, that was that was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, hopefully you're watching them because I mean, I don't know where I would have been if football didn't exist that weekend because holy cow, that was just amazing. High octane gameplay every single game. And like you said, every game came down to the wire. There were those like pinnacle plays where that just like made the difference and, and set the tone. And you, you really just cannot ask for a more perfect weekend of football it's crazy because i tweeted out during the bucks rams game this is the game of the year oops all takes exposed that the real game of the year was the next game and maybe like the game of the decade and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit too but then it even overshadows the other games that went down on saturday between the packers and niners like that was a good game defensive obviously big plays coming in at the end and then you have the Bengals titans game which also was a good game didn't really look like it would be a good game for like maybe the first half or so, but that turned out to have a lot of action. So definitely a lot to like from there. So what we'll be doing on this episode of BFP our 21st episode, by the way, completely forgot that last week was our 20th episode. So we hit a little milestone there. Um, what we'll be doing today, two things we loved from this past slate of games and three things we would love to see from the conference title games. Why don't you kick things off as always? What's something that you loved, absolutely adored, from the divisional round. All right, we'll be getting our 21st episode, bringing our, our podcast into adulthood with Mahomes magic, because, I mean, that was just unbelievable. I don't know if you watched, like, the NFL Films clip that, that's been flying around where Kelsey basically manufactured mm-hmm. the entire Chiefs comeback on the last drive, which took basically 10 seconds, three seconds to kick the field goal, but 10 seconds to go 50 yards and – you know, Kelsey, he was talking to Tyreek Hill on the sideline. He was like, yo, if you cut outside and in, I can block for you. And then, you know, you can, you can just run behind me. And then he, he knew on the next play after they converted that, that the seam would be open against the Bills, you know, soft zone coverage defense. And he knew before they had even lined up, he was like in the huddle. He was like, Mahomes, if they come out with this look, I'm going to run a seam. And then, Kel- and then Mahomes was talking to him. He's like, do it, Kels, do it, Kels. And they did it and they executed. And just no one does it like the Chiefs, man. They just, their players are so talented, athletically, intelligently. Mahomes mm-hmm. proved like he once again sits atop the throne of the NFL in terms of quarterback play. It, it was just nuts. 378 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 
0.1 passer rating. And really, he just he had to be perfect in order to beat Josh Allen. And they almost lost. So that just shows you that just the caliber of those two teams and and what it took from Mahomes. It, it tested his limits as a quarterback, and uh, it's just, it was an unbelievable finish to that game. I think – I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but let's say the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and Mahomes is like, I'm out of here. I don't need to be playing football anymore. Would he be a top-ten quarterback of all time? I mean, think about it. Breaking records already – two Super Bowl championships. He has one MVP, conference championship in every single year was the main starter. You could make the case he'd be a top 10 quarterback. And I hate rankings. I hate saying this guy's definitely better than this guy because that's not always the case. There's always an argument to be made. But what we're seeing from Mahomes is so special. I think it's kind of overrated how much we're talking Mm -hmm. about how special he is because you always see and hear that Patrick Mahomes is the next GOAT. He's amazing. We all hear about that, but I don't think we can truly grasp that because it just happens on a weekly basis. So I don't obviously don't think he retires. Like, why would he? But at this rate, not only could he be the greatest football player of all time, but if he were to call it quits after another Super Bowl win, you can make the case. He's a top 10 quarterback already. Definitely in tier one or tier two for sure, right? It's, a, it's an interesting question. I think you should pose it to TikTok because I think you get a variety of answers. But a ton of people that would probably agree with you on that. I think I read a stat that was went along the lines of like, this will be Patrick Mahomes' third Super Bowl, right, if he makes it this season. And he will have appeared in three Super Bowls before, you know, the time he turned 27 years old. And even Tom Brady didn't even do that. So that just shows you just the amount of success Mahomes has had this early in his, in his career is on a, a track much earlier than the player that we discuss as the greatest of all time right now, which just is bamboozling for his potential at this stage, that he is this good so early in his career that not even the greatest player of all time had the type of success he did this early in his career it's, it's just nuts and uh, you want to also talk about like the players he's dealing with um Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey like they're slowly approaching those postseason numbers as like the best receiving duo of all time like in, in the postseason and and that is largely due to Mahomes but it's also you, you got to give them credit too like this this Chiefs offense is just a machine mm-hmm. Yeah, Mahomes, I believe, is the first quarterback to reach four conference championships before turning 27, which is bonkers. And you made a good point saying that he had to play nearly perfect to match Josh Allen, who was playing probably as close to perfect as you can get. And he definitely had a lot of help to do so. But at the end of the day, that was Josh Allen's team. But I got to give a shout out to my man, Gabe Davis. So one thing that I love from the divisional round, my first thing, and we'll each get into two more before we preview the conference championship games. Gabe Davis, second-year receiver at a UCF, didn't really do too much his first season, didn't really do too much most of this season. But by the tail end of the season, it became pretty clear he was a wide receiver, too, over Emmanuel Sanders, over Cole Beasley, if you consider Dawson Knox up there. I know he's a tight end technically, but every now and then, one of those three players would be getting hot. But it was all Gabe Davis and not just before the game. Like You look at what he's been doing this postseason – and I will admit, I did I did say I like Gabe Davis, I like Byron Pringle, but nobody, no one in their right mind would have predicted him to score four times 
on eight receptions for 201 yards. Big shout out to him. I do still think the Bills would be wise to invest in more weapons. But if you told me they would go into next season with Gabe Davis as their wide receiver one, or wide receiver two, sorry, I would be, I'd agree with you. I think that'd be a totally fine situation for Buffalo to be in. Yeah, I think it was the single game postseason um, receiving record. I would imagine. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted right after that. I just said Gabe, Gabe Davis just became, you know, football's wackiest trivia answer. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if in, in 10 years – I mean, I know I certainly will remember that moment where I saw Gabe Davis just light up the Chiefs' defense. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, like Gabe Davis is going to be – his ADP right now is just going nuts, going bonkers in the fantasy community. Yeah. And we discussed him on an, episode, an earlier episode with Luke Sawhook about his potential. Like if, if the Bills finally used him in like a traditional zero alongside Stephon Diggs – and what he could do to to fantasy lineups next season. And we kind of got a taste of that in, in the playoffs. And who knows, like, are we going to be taking Gabe Davis as like a top, you know, round six pick? No. I don't know. It, it's too it's too early to speculate. But I think that I love the potential of Gabe Davis in that Bills offense. We've said it earlier in the season. And I think our our love for him has remained unwavered uh, up until this point. I, I think his potential in that offense is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. I saw all the commotion about Gabe Davis in fantasy Twitter, specifically dynasty Twitter. There is no mm-hmm. chance in hell I'm selling like two first round picks for him. Um, but I would gladly trade him for that. Look, there's a real chance like Davis plays well enough to be a solid wide receiver too in Buffalo next season. But Come on, four touchdowns in one game. We can't expect that across three games. So definitely the Davis hype should be cool, but still had to shout him out. What's another thing that you loved from the divisional round? Another thing that really caught your eye that was brought to your attention and you got to give a shout out on BFP sponsored by Link Me. Yeah, I mean, it's AJ Brown. Mm. And we, I I promoted you know, heavy propaganda on A.J. Brown before this 2021 season had even started. Like, oh, A.J. Brown, real legitimate shot to be wide receiver one this season. You know, third year in the league, he's reaching that point where receivers usually take that next step into into the top tier of fantasy production. And, of course, you know, Brown got injured once again, dealt with some nicks and bruises, kind of slowed down his production as well. Um, and also, you know, Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry things at the beginning of the season. So didn't quite live up to that prediction, but Brown was one. He took no prisoners. Like, did you see Eli Apple's ankles during that game? Snapped. Yeah. It just, it just shows you the potential of this receiver if he can stay healthy and just the complete dominance he exhibits on, on the field. There was one touchdown where he had like this late separation, um, you know, jam into, into the defensive back that was covering him to, you know, rotate around and, and clear the catch point, just stuff like that, where you see AJ Brown has, has reached that level of, uh, of receiver that understands the game and all facets of it. And basically is a, is a mismatch every time he, every time he's on the field. 
And he's perfect for what that offense loves to do, too. I mean, he's a bigger body type of guy who can be a possession receiver. He can be a run after Mm -hmm. the catch guy. He can be the type of receiver to just chuck it downfield. And he, more importantly, is the type of receiver that Ryan Tannehill needs because I think we saw Tannehill's shortcomings a lot in that game. He's not a bad quarterback, but most of the time he's not the type of quarterback to cost you a game. That really wasn't the case in Cincinnati, especially with the opening interception and the interception later on in the game. I don't know if Tannehill's the type of quarterback, and I really don't think so at the end of the day, that he can be that guy to take your team to the next level. I will question whether Tennessee should or would go after an upgrade because there may not be too many. But if I am Tennessee, I would 100% take a look at a rookie second Mm -hmm. third round maybe kind of see what you can get out of one of them and who knows maybe they'll be the quarterback of the future speaking of rookies the big rookie from this weekend (laughs) maybe it was jamar chase but i'm looking at his other teammate one of my florida gators former florida gator from a current florida gator evan mcpherson let's shout out some kickers my goodness he scored all nine of cincinnati's points in the first half including that game winner not sure if you saw that or not but that did happen he has been so good this season and then shout out to robbie gold who i don't know so actually there's two stories really both off these guys courtesy of uh, peter king with robbie gold one where he tried on like a pair of cleats he only orders his cleats from a store in new jersey a local store in new jersey and they sent him his cleats and they didn't fit so he overnighted him the cleats there you go <laughs> that's robbie gold right there making his 20th post career postseason kick he's 20 for 20 he's got 20 20 vision baby robbie <laughs> gold is perfect in a postseason and then that's the veteran. And then the rookie, Evan McPherson, fifth-round draft pick out of UF, kind of poses the question, if you knew you're getting a Justin Tucker-esque kicker, and I'm not saying McPherson is this Justin Tucker-esque kicker, but maybe he could be down the line, where would you draft the kicker if you knew he would be Justin Tucker? Would you take him first round? Would you push him down to day two? I think it's a good conversation to have about the value of kickers because we just saw McPherson – not single-handedly, but basically gift Cincinnati a win. For as good as Joe Burrow and Jamar Jamar Chase played, McPherson was the MVP of that game, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I I would say his his sideline quote was epic, too. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, boys, looks like like we're going to the AFC Championship, and they just drilled it. Oh, my gosh, that's like, that's GOAT status right there. Um, he What would you say? He was a fifth-round pick? Yep, Kick from Fierson, by the way. I forget who dubbed him that, but Kick Fierson. I Kick Fierson? Oh, he, and he's Fierson. got a nickname already. Like, I mean, if, if he keeps it up, he might not have to buy a beer in Cincinnati, you know, if, if he goes to the Super Bowl and makes makes that kick that gives Cincinnati their first Super Bowl win in, what, 30-something years? I, well, did they win a Super Bowl? I don't think they won a Super Bowl. I think the last Super Bowl they played in, they lost. The San last Fran. Super Bowl they played in was 33 years ago, I believe. Yeah, San Fran, which like we might get a, re- or a rematch of this. By the mm-hmm. way, I just had to double check to see McPherson's age. He is only six months older than me. <laughs> what am I doing with my life, man? Jeez. Dude, I, I- and that's crazy because we're getting into NFL draft season too. And I'm scouting players that like are my age or just a little bit older than me. I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm really, I'm really doing this. I'm, these <laughs> kids are about to get, you know, realize their dreams. And here I am just reporting on it. 
But yeah, no, you you love to see like kicker show out in, in the postseason, especially a success story like like McPherson. Um, yeah, I don't know how how high I'd take him because I know the Bucks took a, a kicker in the second round, didn't quite work out for them. Nope. I do think wasn't Sebastian Janikowski a first round pick? He was by the Raiders. Yeah. Yep. That and that worked out. out well for them, like, you know, for, for a while, like while, while Janikowski was in his prime, you know, he lined up for a couple 70-yard field goal tries. Never made him, but, <laughs> I mean, he had the leg for him. I – and it's funny because I've always said I want to see the kicking record broken, and I've seen it broken twice, what with mm-hmm. uh, Prater and then with Tucker this season, which is electric. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Um, but I cannot wait – for the day when we see someone knock down a 70 yarder it might take a while but like that would be old that's like a bucket list sports item for me whether it's in person or not i just want to see someone knock a 70 yarder in the game yeah i mean that'd be be just be nuts like you from the opponent's 40 yard line oh my gosh or no from from your 40 yard line you'd be from your own 40 yard line sending it through the uprights Jeez. What I will say is I do like how Kansas City has kind of pioneered this like new method of thinking for instead of Hail Mary, it's just like you have one of your players run like 10 yards, get your offensive lineman and like your big receivers down there and they're dumped off to him and they're already blocking there illegally because he can't have a wedge anymore. Yeah, rip the wedge. Um, But that'd be something I would love to see. Speaking of things we would love to see. Cole and I each got three things we would love to see from the conference championship games, the Niners at the Rams and the Bengals at the Chiefs. But first, a quick word from our beloved sponsor, Link Me. Link Me is the fastest, biggest, newest, most awesome growing social media app that really serves two purposes that you should love. Purpose number one, the social media app. Like I said, you can connect with people from all around the world. And number two, and my personal favorite, it's a link sharing app. So you can have your Twitter, your TikTok, Venmo, PayPal, Xbox, any other profile you have all on one screen. You scan your QR code with somebody else's QR code and boom, you have all access to their links. That's link me on all app store. However you get your apps, L-I-N-K. M-E. So love to see that from Link Me. And now why don't you give us the first thing you would love to see from the conference championship games this weekend? Yeah, I want to see Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan in their play calling bag. I want them to just try and outthink each other, outdo each other in every facet of offense capable. And, you know, the, these two coaches are good friends. You know, obviously they spent time on that famous Washington coaching staff together that for some reason, like you saw that graphic, NBC showed that graphic and, and you know, all the photos of, of young McVeigh and young Shanahan and people yeah. were like surprised. Like it was their first time learning about this. And I, I always thought like, if you, if you followed the NFL coaching trees close enough, you'll, you'll see that, you know, McVeigh and Shanahan stem from this ingenious line of coaching. So I, I was kind of surprised a lot of people were finding that out for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, these, Two guys are, you know, ingenious in their own right, um, pioneering this this next stage of the of the coaching tree. And you saw it a few weeks ago with McVeigh. He pulled out one of Odell's trick plays from his time with the Giants, in which you know Odell, um, he I think he was in motion, took took the play in the flat, and then threw it to the opposite side of the field. And 
I think the the play on the Giants resulted in a touchdown. The play on the Rams resulted in a in a pretty sizable gain. But I kind of want to see that this this game and like taking stuff that worked before and implementing it against the other team. And I think McVay and Shanahan, it'll be on full display on Sunday, just trying to mm. outdo each other and and just trying to be the superior offensive mind. Mm-hmm. I brought this up on one of my TikTok lives, uh, I think maybe last week about, and this ties into your point, but this is, this is also something I would love to see. The first thing I would love to see from the conference championship games is Trey Lance. And it's interesting because we've seen Trey Lance in this offense. And I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has a package for Trey Lance. But we also haven't seen this offense with the full reins of Lance. He's only played in six games. He's had just two starts. And there's no denying that he makes the offense different. He's arguably a better pure passer than Garoppolo. And he definitely has more of that playmaking ability. If you told me the Niners have to keep up with 30, 40 points being scored by the Rams, by the Chiefs, by the Bengals, Garoppolo's probably not the type of guy to do it, but it could be, not saying it will be, but it could be Lance. So I think if you do give Lance a few more packages, that does open up the play calling a bit more. We get to see more different types of plays in Shanahan's bag. So I would love to see Lance get the ball a little bit more, especially on a national audience, even if it's just a couple RPOs, a couple handoffs, maybe even a quarterback draw. And this isn't a diss on Jimmy Garoppolo by any means, by the way. He is a fine quarterback. Look at what he's kind of done to help engineer this team. Not saying the Niners have won because of Garoppolo, but I don't think they've necessarily lost because of him, at least in the past like month or so when they've been hot. It would just be nice as a fan, especially one who thinks Trey Lance can eventually be the MVP of this league to see him get a little more playing time in such a pivotal game when the Rams are probably forgetting about Lance a little bit. They're probably just gearing more toward Garoppolo. So give me all the Trey Lance that Kyle Shanahan is willing to give us this weekend. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I think it is a little fishy how uh, secretive the Niners have been around Garoppolo's status. I mean, they took him and his sprained shoulder off the injury report, but there's still a question about his thumb and, you know, how much that is bothering him. So, I mean, it's it's possible Lance is, is getting a little bit more reps behind the scenes and uh, he'll, he'll be ready to go if, if his number is called. But there have been options where Shanahan could have used Lance in the postseason. I think there's Mm -hmm. been a number of fourth and one, fourth and short scenarios that Shanahan has gone for it and hasn't used his big athletic quarterback to get it. He's used Garoppolo or he's handed it off to Debo or Elijah Mitchell. And it's just kind of like of all the scenarios to use that type of mobile quarterback, that would be it. And instead, that we're just opting for Garoppolo, who is, I think, an inferior option. I think many people would agree with me. So I, I just thought it, his usage has, has been, been kind of odd mm-hmm. that in the situation that you would use him, Shanahan has opted not to. Right. Before we move on, I do want to pose this question or a comment. Maybe you know it's a little obvious in my mind. But what do Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes have in common? There's three things. One being quarterback obviously uh sorry Lamar Jackson's running back stands but he Lamar Jackson's a quarterback and he's a very good one two <laughs> they're the three most recent MVP winners mm-hmm. and three 
they were all drafted with the idea of sitting behind the incumbent starter. And that's what they did. Roger sat for three seasons. Mahomes sat for one season. Lamar did play in all 16 games his first season, but he only started seven and really didn't get the full reins until the second season when Joe Flacco was kicked to the curb. That's kind of the Trey Lance story. So I'm not saying that is the sole reason why Trey Lance can be great in this league, but it adds fuel to the fire. I'm very pro Trey Lance. I said it before the season. Heck, I said it back in like May, I think. I've written in stone. Trey Lance will eventually win in MVP. So a lot to look, a lot to love. Hoping to see him and the 49ers offense kind of mesh well together whether this weekend or next season. What's another thing that you would love to see from the conference title games, Cole? You know, the Bengals, they've been so hot recently and so much success over the postseason so far and, you know, breaking all sorts of postseason records. Jamar Chase has broke one of those records as, uh, you know, the highest single game re- like receiver in, in Bengals history. I think he beat out Chris Collins. Or no, not Chris Collinsworth. Was it Chris Collinsworth? He beat, he beat Ocho Cinco and Chris Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. I want to see him gritty for the final touchdown to knock off the Chiefs in advance to this. <laughs> I think that would be the best statement for the Louisiana duo to just send the Bengals on their merry way to go play in SoFi and beat, you know, the, the league's best offense with Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow gritting in the end zone together. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a perfect end to this crazy AFC playoff scenario that has developed so far. Not only would that be super fun to watch, but that would be really scary because you think about all the obvious holes the Bengals have on their team and most notably at offensive line. And you tell me they went into Arrowhead to win the AFC conference championship Mm -hmm. game or the AFC championship game. Conference was redundant, but I digress. That's (laughs) nuts. That's nuts. Like where would the Bengals stand amongst the AFC entering next season if they won in Arrowhead on Sunday, would they be the team to beat? Yeah, I think they would because everyone knows the Chiefs were last in the AFC West, started three and four, but they haven't lost at Arrowhead since week five. That just shows you how, how dominant they've been at home. And it truly is. Remember, Zach, we said this week was going to be the death of home field advantage. And I think nope. to a certain of ex- certain extent, like Arrowhead did suffer the same fate, but by winning, the Chiefs kept their home field advantage alive. So I'm, we're, we're uh, there's like the one blemish on the mark, right? right. Like there's one blemish on on the record, and it honestly isn't even that much of a you know that dark of a mark. So home field advantage stays alive for at least one more week until Jamar Chase gritties for the final touchdown against against the Chiefs. Is that a prediction or is that a hope? I think that's a that's 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 both. That's a prediction and a hope. Oh, okay. Predicting the bang. I want to see it happen, and I think it's going to happen. I think either way, we're getting just a fantastic game. Games this weekend, Super Bowl game, which was what I was talking about, and. For the Bengals to go in Arrowhead and strip home field advantage from the Chiefs would be unreal. But the one team that will have home field advantage for the remainder of their season, whether it lasts to Monday or until three Mondays from now, will be the Rams. They're hosting the Niners, and then the Super Bowl is in L.A. Can you imagine that if after 
all of this in the entire NFL history for no team to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Then you have the Bucks do it. And then to have the Rams do it the year after, that is that is bonkers to me. And I would love to see that happen. But more importantly, I'd love to see Matthew Stafford continuing the ball. And mostly because he was not balling to end the season. He had a lot of shaky performances. People are starting to question whether it, he could really do it. Could he take the Rams to the Super Bowl? Could he take them just to the top of their own division? And the past two games, he's been looking pretty darn good super efficient 76 percent completion percentage against the cardinals 73 percent against uh the bucks no picks one rushing touchdown each game and when you look at the niners they've only had one interception in their two games despite how dominant their defense has been they've had 10 sacks which is bonkers to me that they have not been able to snag a ball from an opposing quarterback and one thing about the Niners before I get back to the Rams is get them a good cornerback and that team could be the best defense in football next season barring they retain everyone and everyone stays healthy but back to the Rams this offense is clicking they have a renewed fashion like they love the run game and it's working all of a sudden like the run blocking has been so good for the Rams and nobody's talking about that because you look at them and you think oh it's a pass first team because Cooper Cup can just break away for a 70 yard receiving touchdown at any moment or maybe even it's Van Jefferson or Odell scoring from 20 yards out because they can but the run game has really been the reason why they've won those past two football games but at the same time Stafford's really turned a corner. So a lot of storylines for the Rams. I'd love to see really the whole offense just continue to click. It's a fun offense to watch. And a lot of it has to do with the run game, but also Matthew Stafford 2.0. Yeah. And you said the run blocking has been solid. Cam Akers is back, obviously, um, you know, came back down to earth with those two fumbles against, against the Bucks. And I mean, they, they were trying to find the ball. Um, the Bucks were, but you can't really knock them. And they're doing it all without Andrew Whitworth, too. I think who is expected to come back this week um, and come back from injury and no boom on that on that left side. He's mm -hmm. been pretty solid so far. Uh, so it's just showing a, a Rams team that met with adversity in the postseason is able to overcome that. And I think, like we said, like I said earlier, just a few minutes ago, one of those things they're going to have to overcome is no home field advantage at SoFi. And, and you mentioned like, okay, if they win here and if they, if they go to the Super Bowl, then that's home field advantage twice. But in the previous matchup, Stafford had to use a silent count against San Francisco because Niners fans invaded the stadium at SoFi and Stafford was having trouble you know, making adjustments, uh, snapping the football, getting his offense on the same page in his home stadium. That is how insane Niners faithful is. So, I mean, I don't know. SoFi, they made plans and changed like the ticketing procedures to if you do not live in the greater Los yeah, Angeles area, yeah. you will not be allowed to go on the game. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a little bit, a little bit cheeky, a little bit scummy of, of the Rams to do that? Or do you think it's pretty tactical 
I haven't seen any legal things against that. I saw someone <laughs> tweeted out, like, as a joke, like, I have my legal team looking into this. And then, like, everyone started retweeting it, like, oh, my God, like, he's getting his legal team, but it's <laughs> just a troll, which was hilarious. Um, I did see Kelly Stafford post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I saw the prices are going pretty nuts. If you need tickets, just, like, email me with, like, a little, some backstory about you, and then I can get you tickets. So I think that's pretty cool. I don't, again, I don't know if there's anything illegal about it. Definitely seems weird. Definitely seems fishy. And in actuality, if you're the Rams and you win and it is, like, half-packed Niners, that should make you feel pretty darn good about winning the Super Bowl because half of the – I wouldn't say half, but there's a good chunk – of people at the Super Bowl who have no rooting interest in either team. They're just there to watch a good game and mm-hmm. buy way too expensive food. Oh my gosh, that's going to be, there are going to be so many stories about that, about how expensive the food's going to be. It's Los Angeles. <laughs> at SoFi. <laughs> billion dollar stadium, the biggest game of the year. Oh man, that's going to be one of the big storylines. Um, all right, we each got one more thing left that we would love to see from the conference championship weekend. Maybe extend a little past that. I know my thing has been a hot topic for debate, but I'd love to hear your third thing you would love to see within the next few days of football. Well, technically, I already said mine, but it, it's the no home field advantage at SoFi. Okay. Yeah. There, yeah. Is it because of the uh, that the Rams wouldn't get there because the Niners, or just like you would love to see the Niners win and take away that home field advantage? Well, no, it's mostly just because I think Niners fans are going to find a way to finagle them, their, themselves into that stadium <laughs> and, and kind of disrupt it. And, and from what we've seen, you know, uh, over the last few weeks, it kind of seems like home field advantage has is, is ra- evaporated. And it, it kind of goes back to this point of who are the Rams fans? Because they're still a young mm-hmm. team. Think about how many Niners fans could still be living in that area. So for them to just do that, it's not only like a bad look on them, but you may not have even solved the problem because who knows what type of fans are already in Los Angeles. So I don't know. We'll see. I still I think like if you play this game 100 times, I think 60 of the times mm-hmm. the Rams would win and 40 of the times the 49ers would win. Um and I could say the same about the Chiefs Bengals. Honestly, it's going to be that close. Either team could win. I wouldn't bet on it, even if you gave me a free $100. Well, no, okay, I definitely would. I definitely would with free $100. Uh, or maybe I'd go spend it on a steak dinner. But I, I think you get the point anyway. It's a very tough game to call either way. Well, you, you forgot about the uh... – the other fan base in Los Angeles, the Chargers. Nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, what? Like, they got, like, two fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chargers fans. For any Chargers fans in the podcast, we just lost all three of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my last thing I'd love to see, no more overtime controversy. Everyone has been talking about the overtime rules, and I really have my two cents on it, because on one hand, yes, It's a game of trust. You should trust your defense to make a stop. However, within, I think, the last 10 times or something, when those new overtime rules have been implemented, nine of the 10 times the team that's won the coin toss has won. 
can't remember if that's the exact number. I should have written it down, but I didn't. Uh, but it was like only one time where the first, the team that won the opening coin toss did not end up winning the game on the first possession. And to me, I get the argument. I really do. I get teams saying, well, you should have your defense make a stop if you're really good enough. But it's a team sport. One, it's a team sport. So shouldn't the whole team have an impact on whether the game is decided by more than just half of the team? And two, and I think this is probably the aspect that the higher-ups could get behind, the people actually making this decision, it's way more entertaining. It's so much better to say, well, Patrick Mahomes just marched down the field and scored. Let's see if Josh Allen could do it. Stay tuned and watch three minutes of commercials that you've seen 200 times already. It's a <laughs> moneymaker. It's entertainment. It's better for the fans. I do believe that the one thing – the league tried to prevent and was right by doing so was saying, well, if we make it shorter, one teams will probably just score right away, but two less injuries, great for player safety. And I get that. And that's a great argument to have for sure. I'm not going to argue against that by any means, but it doesn't seem like it's working. It seems like there's a lot of overall commotion to change the overtime rules. I really hope we don't have to dive down that rabbit hole because my goodness, second that Mahomes scored, you could tell right away, Twitter, social media, whatever social media app you're using was set ablaze about the overtime rules. Overtime was trending right away. I really don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. So I'm hoping that if it does come down to a good game, we can decide it in regulation. Although I wouldn't be mad about extra time as well. What's your rant on the overtime rules? I can see both sides of the argument, but I am for changing it. I think the quickest way to avoid overtime controversy is to not let the opposing team drive 50 yards in 10 seconds and then kick a field goal. (laughs) There's that too. So are you, if we do enter that territory, I do think it would be more fair to, I mean, it it is unfair to cater just to offense, even though it is an offense driven league is a pass happy league. I think a large part of football is getting a stop, Right. I think a large part of football is, is getting a stop and, and playing good defense to slow down this, this high-paying offense age. With that being said, I do think it is a little unfair to not allow the other team and the other, and, and the other team's defense that same opportunity to get a stop, right, to back up your, you know, your, your offense's production, defend defend your offense what what your offense put on the field on that previous drive yep completely agree it just seems like a lot of people hate it a lot more than it is now like you change it what's the what's the issue that teams might play a little bit more so i don't know unless they can figure out a a good medium ground like to keep the game shorter, maybe just set them on the 30-yard line. So knowing, hey, you can at least kick unless you get sacked out of there. Maybe they could do that. I'd be all for that as well. Um, If you're listening and you have any other ideas for what overtime should be, whether it's something we've said or something new or something like Sarcastaball from South Park, for all I care, let us know in the comments or you can reach us on all social media. He's at Ham Analysis. I am at Zach Cohen. FB and this has been one fun show. I mean, we are we are damn spoiled to have those games to talk about, have so many storylines entering this weekend's of games, and then to have next week a week 
of Senior Bowl. We're going to have to get real creative next week. We might have a yeah, little, uh, some dynasty stuff focused on there for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, but when you just look at all these games, all the storylines, we could have um, Garoppolo versus Mahomes v2, you know, Andy Reid versus Shanahan. Uh, we Obviously, we've got McVay and, and Shanahan this week, but it will also be, you know, McVay's if, – if, but the Rams beat the 49ers, it'll be McVay's shot at redemption, right? Because he has been back since the Patriots Super Bowl, and he was simply outcoached in that game. So, and then the Bengals have a chance to, you know, win their first Super Bowl. So, uh, you can't go wrong with all these storylines at play and, and just the, the teams that are in the conference championships this weekend. Right. I feel like the lesser talked about matchup is the Bengals Rams, which would also be huge because yeah, with everything about the Rams and the Bengals individually as a team, you have Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay and Taylor worked with McVay. A lot of people attributed Taylor's getting that job in Cincinnati to simply knowing McVay and he's done a hell of a job in Cincinnati. So a lot of positive things to look for, for the Bengals. All right. Any other final words before we send it out and get the outro music queued up, my friend? Nothing much. Just, I mean, just hold on your hats. Cause I think it's going to be a wild weekend. I know I've been anticipating it and it's only Wednesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday and, and we've got four more days to just like sit here and, and just reflect on the weekend of football that we just had and anticipate what, is going to be on our TV screens this weekend. We didn't even talk about Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. That's how no, impactful the games were. <laughs> and we definitely will when the time is right here on the Breakout Football Podcast. Cue the outro music for full top of Chargers Wire and Devil's Digest. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. Follow us on all social media, and we will see you next week on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. Send us home, big fella. Prepare for just a crazy weekend of conference championships. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.